Good morning. Um, so we're looking in week two of this new series, which I'm really excited about. Um, we're looking at actually what, how do we become fully alive? Like what, like who am I? What am I here for? What's the point? What's my purpose? All those kind of big questions. Um, and so if you weren't with us last week, I want to just super quickly, if I can, bring you up to speed. We looked at um, really the big story, the big story of God kind of through through the ages, really, and, and you could almost sort of break it down into these four phases. That actually, we looked at creation, the fall, the cross, and at the end, the renewal of all things. That's essentially, if you look at the whole Bible, that's that's the arc. Um, and so last week we we looked at actually, we really need to make sure that we know the beginning and the end. That um, actually, in some ways, in in the church, we've tended to maybe slightly focus in in the middle. Actually, sin happened, but thank goodness for Jesus. Um, but we've not so much um, focused on that beginning and end. Um, as we looked at that last week and, and looked at Genesis 1, which gets called the cultural or creation mandate, actually where God says, essentially, this is this good God's plan. It was his purpose, his intention. Um, and, and we brought it down to these three things um, that, that we can kind of land on and that we want to really then explore and unpack through the whole of the rest of this series. Firstly, that I am significant because I was made in the image of God. Secondly, I'm supposed to influence because I'm called to rule and reign. And I'm supposed to be connected to God and to other people. Like that's what we see in simple terms. If, you're like, if you just want the headlines, actually when God's created man, he said it's in our image, in our likeness. And then he blessed us to rule and reign, to fill the earth and to be flourishing. And it's in the context of us connected to God and us connected to other people. So those three things are for you and I. Like you are significant, you are influential, you are supposed to be connected. And we want to kind of figure out, well, how do we do that? Acknowledging we don't always do that great and that there's journey and there's process in all those things. We're trying to figure that out. Um, what does that look like? And that question then is, is pushed over to you. So actually, what does that look like for you in your life stage, in where God's got you, in where you maybe work, where you kind of interact with people, in kind of spheres of influence and connection that you have? What does that look like? Like how do I live in the light of those that God imprint on my life. Because we need to, like, listen, that, that call to be significant creates a need in us, that sense of, I want to, like, do I matter? Like, that is a God-given need, you know, actually to make a difference, to be influential. It, so the question isn't, like, should I have that as a need or a desire or as part of my drive? It's like, yes, you should, because that's how God made you. And part of the thing we want to look at over the next few weeks is, well, how do we get those needs met healthily? How do we do that in health and freedom, looking like Jesus? And get, and because sometimes, listen, we get things slightly the wrong way around. So that, like, that is the call of God. That is his purpose for you and I as his deeply loved created beings. And the, the, so then it's like, well, how, what are the implications of that? And I would say the implications of that are huge. They are profound. So how do we walk in that? So that was what we looked at in the beginning. Like, here's God's plan. And then we jumped to the very end of the Bible and looked at the end, which in, in simple terms is not just you and I strumming harps on a cloud in heaven. It's actually Jesus coming and the renewal of all things. All things meaning all things. We unpack the Greek. You're really good, right? So that's the deal. That's the beginning and the end. And we said, hey, sometimes we really focus in on the middle and we don't necessarily understand or we don't maybe just pay as much attention to the beginning and end. But listen, my... my desire is to get us to see that actually the middle is profound, but it's only even more amazing when we actually understand it in the context of the beginning and the end. Um, 
I think it's worth acknowledging as well, actually, some of, well, how do, like, how do we get there? How have we sort of, how's that happened in the church? Whereas, you know, we'll, we'll talk a lot about, you know, well, we're, we're all sinners, but Jesus has come and paid for our sin. And like, like that, and that's the gospel and that's good news. And listen, it is the very, very good news. It is profound. But actually, one of the things it's worth realizing, if you look at the kind of arc of church history, um, is that actually, and it's, I've been looking at quite a lot this week at kind of the history, particularly in Europe, sort of through the last five, six hundred years, and how have we got to where we got, and what shaped us, and and there was a real push in the sort of late 1800s that, um, particularly some some very liberal theologians who were kind of kicking against and questioning some of the key fundamentals of the Christian faith. So, well, the Bible's not really the word of God. Jesus didn't really, wasn't really raised from the dead. It's kind of symbolic, and that actually he was, even he was a victim of kind of Jewish and Roman oppression rather than actually the son of God who laid down his life, like, like kicking against some pretty important things, right? And as a result, you know, a whole other group of the church kicked rightly, pushed back against that and said, no, 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 these are the absolute fundamental foundations of our faith. We can't budge on these things. And so they really focused on who Jesus is, what he did, his life, his death, his resurrection, really honed in on that, rightly so. But in doing that, slightly stopped talking about and focusing on the beginning and end so much. And, and actually, that if you look at church history, actually having a value for and an influence in culture and art and creativity, and like we, it almost we started sliding away from that a little bit because we, we only talked about the middle. And it's not that we shouldn't. And we're actually going to talk this morning about the middle of the story because it really, really matters. But that's kind of how we got there. And I love even, like for me, even the sort of 10 years that Phil and I, 11 years now that Phil and I have been leading the church, like I love the journey that God's had us on. And if you've been with us all that time, like it's amazing. If you're just jumping in now, you get the benefit of everything God's been doing with us. But we've kind of been on this journey. And some of it is, I'm like, this has been my journey. I've been a Christian 30 plus years. I've been a Christian since I was eight. And, and I remember for most of, like well into my 30s, most of my focus was just being amazed that I was forgiven and accepted and washed clean, like that I was actually free from my sin and there was no condemnation and just like, oh my, like amazed at that. But it was genuinely only, you know, probably early on when we were in the church in the last 10 years, actually this, God started really highlighting to me and to us, that actually, we're not just justified, made right with God, forgiven of our sins, although we are, and that's amazing, we're actually also adopted. We have this new identity as sons and daughters. And actually, that means I have a father who loves me, and actually, I can know the father, and I can experience his love for myself. And, and, then, the, and then this understanding of this kind of what God's saying is, listen, the earth is longing for sons and daughters to be revealed, people who know who they are and know what they're about. And it's this understanding, of, okay, well, if I am adopted, if that absolutely is for me, and I am his daughter with an inheritance, well, then what are the implications of that? And that's where I feel like we're landing with this series is actually this understanding of, we're, you know, we're forgiven, we're set free, we're adopted into his family, and we are given and entrusted this incredible inheritance of sons and daughters. Like, what are we going to do with that? How are we going to steward what God has put in our hands? Like, that's the question. And so you can see even like just in that journey of like God wanting to bring us into the fullness of the good news, all of it, the whole thing from the beginning to the end, that actually we know we are image bearers. We are made in the image of God to bear his image, to reflect him. And actually to partner with him in this renewal of all things, like that's, we get pulled into that that process, we get to partner with him. You know, the beginning and the end are just phenomenal. 
But there really was a problem in the middle. And that's what I want to look at this morning. Because I think it's what I don't want to do is kind of that whole pendulum swing and say, oh, well, we kind of just talked about the middle and we're just going to leave that. We're just going to talk about, you know, what God purposed for us. Because actually the middle really does matter. Humanity really did fall, is broken. The middle really is important. So that's what I want to look at, kind of re-look at that in the context of, hey, here's the beginning, what God planned and purposed for humanity. Here is the end, that what he has promised is going to happen and what happens in the middle. So we basically, we need to read on in Genesis. In Genesis 3 um, is where it all went pretty wrong. So this is from verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did you, God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the tree in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not, so you will certainly uh, sorry, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of them both were opened. They realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So, so early on in the story... We fell. Sin entered the world. And, and listen, it was, a, it was a clear command. And it wasn't that Eve was unsure or like, like, you know, God has said this. And the enemy straight back and did what he always does, which is question, what did God really say? Well, no, he didn't. Another voice came in. And essentially, Adam and Eve, rather than listening to the voice of God, they listened to another voice and they rebelled. And they said, well, God has said this, but I'm, there's a question coming and, and I'm going to not listen and obey what God has said. And they sin. That is the Bible word for when we do things which are in opposition to what God has said, right? Sin is that word. And the, the Hebrew word that's most often used for sin literally means missing the mark or falling short. So if you're shooting an arrow towards a target, it's like it, it drifts off or it doesn't quite, it doesn't quite hit the mark. Now, we can, that can be deliberate. I'm going to literally turn away and I'm going to shoot that way. I know the target's over there, but I'm going this way. Or it can be like, I'm kind of trying, but I was maybe a bit distracted. Like it can be deliberate. It can be accidental. But essentially it's this result of actually I choose my way rather than God's way. I'll listen to another voice rather than God's voice. And, and we sin. And the thing that you see when you read in Genesis is that those three aspects of God's incredible purpose and plan for humanity all got marred when we sinned. So actually his, his image in us got distorted and twisted out of shape because with sin came bitterness and hate and envy and lust and all those other things that, that twist his image in us and, and limit our ability to, to be his image bearers. Actually, we gave away the authority that God gave us to rule and reign, to subdue, to bring his kingdom on earth. We had that authority and we gave that away when we fell. And also, you know, the relationships. Actually, we're made for connection with God, connection with other people. Like sin separated us from God and it, you know, fractures and causes difficulty in relationships with one another all the time. So like, like that's why the middle really matters because there was such purpose in creation and yet all of that purpose um, got derailed. God's intended significance, influence, connection that he wants for us, all of those things were affected by sin. We all fell short, right? That, that's what, and that's what Paul says, Romans 3.23, we come back to this all, right? It's a really common verse we talk about in the church. For all have sinned 
and fallen short, that's the phrase, of the glory of God, but all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Now, when we, when we look at that verse, you know, that's one of the go-to verses. If I'm trying to explain what is the gospel, what is the good news, Romans 3.23 is where we'll go often, right? All have sinned and fallen short. It's saying, listen, there's a problem. It's saying like, but I wonder whether sometimes we, we focus in on all have sinned and fallen short, but what we don't focus in on, what have we fallen short from? which Paul is really clear here. We've, we've all sinned, absolutely, we acknowledge that, but we've fallen short from the glory of God, which is that humanity is made in his image to rule and reign, to bring, bring flourishing and to be connected and in relationship. That's the glory that we've fallen short of. So when we're looking at sin and the cross and what Jesus has done, we need to understand, actually, like what is it restoring us to? We've fallen short of God's glory, which... Like, is for us as people who bear his image and represent him on earth. That's why sin is a really big problem. And so in saying, listen, I want us to make sure we really look at the beginning and the end. In no way am I minimizing the issue of sin. Actually, I think we need to maximize the issue of sin. Because, and, but the reason it matters is because of what was originally purposed for us and what actually sin keeps us from. That's why it really matters. Right? But, but in, in maximizing sin, I also want us to like, maximize and bring into absolutely clear vision what Jesus has done on the cross. Because as big as a problem as sin was, it has been fully and completely taken care of. Like, that's why we need to move on and look at the cross. But we need to understand, listen, when we talk about sin and missing the mark and falling short and getting it wrong, it, listen, I, it's a wrong view of God if when I'm, I'm thinking about my life and sin and my walk with Jesus is that, is that I think... God is just obsessed with Sarah, would you just keep the rules? I've got these rules, and I just want you to keep them, and I'm really cross when you don't. Like, actually, like, this, it's like there's this behavioral code that we keep breaking, but, oh, phew, thank goodness, Jesus bails me out, right? That's not it. Tom Wright, in this book, um, his book, The Day the Revolution Began, says this, sin is not just doing the things that God has forbidden, it is, as we saw, it is the failure to be fully functioning, God-reflecting human beings. Right? For me, like, that's a different way for me to think about sin. Right? I, have, I have definitely have leanings towards perfectionism and performance mentality and Sarah, keep the rules. Like, that, that is strongly in me and I have to work really hard to kind of keep healthy in that. Um, and so it's easy for me to think of, Oh, Sarah, you made a mistake. You got it wrong. You made, like, whereas actually it's like, Sarah, that's not who you are. Again, I'm not minimizing sin and I'm not saying God doesn't have a standard because he does, but the standard is for us to be fully functioning, God reflecting human beings extending his kingdom on earth. That's why sin matters. So, so yes, Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross absolutely sets us free from our sin, from the power of sin and the penalty of sin absolutely, the cross sets me free from sin. And let's not forget it. But it sets me free from sin and it sets me free to be who I actually was always created and purposed to be. And I wonder if sometimes in the church we focus on what we're set free from and we don't turn around and look at, well, actually, what am I set free to, towards? And then we wonder why we don't have the influence in culture and family and wherever else that actually there's a bit of us that wants to. And it, you should want to because that's what you're created to do. So yes, you know, the cross stands at this pivotal moment of 
all history where everything utterly and completely changed forever. It sets us free from sin. But guys, I, I want us to look at the cross and, and understand this, you know, the, like it matters. My sin matters. It really costs Jesus. And I don't want us to ever gloss over that. But I want us to look at what we're set free from and what it costs Jesus, but turn around and walk into, okay, well, what am I set free to be and therefore to do? Like that's, that's why it really matters, the middle of this story. So I want to look super quickly, and I'm just going to go really quickly and throw some Bible verses at you in terms of, okay, well, what, what are the results? Like, what, what is the result of this wonderful cross? The first thing is this, is that the enemy is defeated. So where the enemy kind of wheeled his way in and convinced Adam and Eve to kind of listen to him and to give influence and authority to him, he is finally defeated at the cross. Hebrews 2, 14, 15 says that, so by his death, by Jesus' death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. The enemy is defeated, like he is. And so the authority that we gave away, that means that's restored because he is now defeated. It means we're forgiven, Ephesians 1, 7 and 8. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. Like you are forgiven of your sins. It is freely offered to you. We just need to take hold of it. It means we're recreated. We're made new. 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, anyone, the Greek means anyone. That includes you. Anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So that capacity for you and I to be image bearers is fully renewed because you're not just a slightly improved version. It's not just that kind of your, the mess has been slightly reduced. Like actually you are a brand new person. You are recreated. And so we need to look back. Well, what was our, how did he originally create us? It's made in his image and likeness. So you are now, so when we read that verse, that's what it means. Not just, you know, it's, made brand, brand new. Like when it's Eden language to be a new creation. Like so actually who we are and what we were created for. It means actually we're able to flourish once again. John 10.10, 10, Jesus makes it abundantly clear. The thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. It's what he's always done. That's what he's always going to try and do. And he'll primarily do it by questioning, did God really say? And offer us another a voice. But Jesus said, I have come that they'd have life and have it to the full or in abundance flourishing life is what he came for, which is much more than forgiven of their sins. There's so much more that he's come for. It's life to the full in every aspect. And Romans 5, 17, one of my favorite verses, is that if by that one, but if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, so if essentially saying, listen, through Adam and Eve and when them falling, if actually sin and death entered the world as a consequence of the actions um, that we see in Genesis 3, if that was the case, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? That's, that is Genesis language, rule and reign on the earth. So Paul is saying, listen, like just, and he's like, just think it through with me. So I'm like, right, so if, you know, the actions of, of Adam and Eve, if, if with death coming, that meant that actually death reigned, how much more, like this question we have to keep coming back to, how much more will those of us who receive this, how much more should we reign in life? Because the, the provision is made, 
And it's, it's abundant provision. I, like, I love it. We need, to, we need to understand that there's abundant grace. That means there's actually more than enough. You know, so Paul talks, doesn't he, about um, that there is, my grace is sufficient when Paul is grappling with this thorn in the flesh. We don't really know what that is. But he says he has this encounter where Jesus comes to him and says, listen, my grace is sufficient for you. And it is. Like, his, his grace is sufficient. But I wonder whether we settle sometimes for sufficient grace to survive our weakness rather than abundant grace to reign in life. And we need to not apologize for that. Right? And we listen, we absolutely need to know what does that look like? And we know, like, ruling and reigning looks like loving and serving. It means listening and going low. And, like, we know, we're going to unpack all of those kind of things, right? So, ruling and reigning is not, I'm the king of the world and everyone does what I say. It's not that. But listen, there is sufficient grace for our weakness, but there is abundant grace for us to reign in life through Jesus. That's just what it says. I know some of you might be, oh, but oh, that feels a little bit presumptuous and we get it. Like, it's just what he says and what he paid for. So that capacity for us to, to flourish, but actually to bring flourishing to every sphere of society and to, you know, actually people's lives around you are better because of the grace of God. Like, so we need to grab hold of that. These are the things, listen, this is the glory that we fell short of. Right? It's reflecting his image, being created in his image. It's actually flourishing and knowing life to the full and actually bringing that and extending that to people and places around us. That glory that we fell short of hasn't gone away. Like, that's still available to us. That, and that is still what you and I are purposed to walk in. And I know some of you don't believe me, and I know some of you feel that's really clunky, but the thing is, I acknowledge what you're feeling, but I'm just saying you're wrong because God said right? God said, you're created for glorious things. So we've got to figure out, okay, well, how do I walk in that? And how do we, how do we deal with the sin thing? Because listen, sin was fully defeated at the cross, right? And actually, I am a new creation. So my old sinful nature is dead and buried with Jesus. But listen, I still have the capacity to choose to sin. I still have the capacity to choose to listen to another voice. I still have the capacity to choose to find my significance, my meaning, my worth, my value in what other people say about me and how well I... We're going to look at all of those things. We have the capacity to still fall short right? Let's just acknowledge that. But John's really clear in his, in his letter to the church that actually, he's like, when you do sin, basically he says, don't freak out, you've got an advocate in Jesus, right? And God's promise is this, that he will forgive us, those who truly repent, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? So you're forgiven of it, you're washed clean, you're recreated again to bear his image and to, being, to flourishing on the earth, right? That's, that's the process. And so, uh, listen, I think it's really important that... Um, we actually acknowledge that, that while sin is fully dealt with, fully dealt with at the cross, we still have the capacity to fall short, and sometimes we do. And when we do, we need to take that seriously. And so actually these Christian disciplines of confession and repentance are really important, right? I grew up in the Anglican church, and I loved that every week we would say that out loud. We would confess and repent out loud, and we would hear whoever was leading the service speak God's forgiveness back over us. Like, I loved it. Like, I, I think it's, and it, it's kind of, so I'm really, I'm really okay with that. I say, yeah, I, I got stuff wrong. I, I got that. I, I missed it. I missed the mark. And so I want to encourage us, like, let's not, let's not not take sin seriously and, and recognize it is a big problem, but no, there's a really big answer. Right? And actually, we get to walk back into that when we confess and we repent. Confessing just means saying, yes, I, I did it. It's acknowledging it. 
And repenting means receiving God's mercy and kindness and forgiveness and choosing to walk another way. It's that continual process of I come back to the cross where I'm forgiven from my sin and know that I'm freed into an amazing purpose. It's Eden once again, I'm a new creation. Every single time. We have to believe that actually it resets the standard. And the standard is the glory we were originally created for. Right? It's not just that I'm forgiven, but I may be disconnected from what might have been. It's not like, it's like you're fully repositioned. It's not like every time, okay, well, the, what God originally purposed for me, like it just, every time I sin, there's just a little bit less and a little bit less. And it's this kind of, look what you could have won. Like it fully resets the standard and repositions us. So what you were designed for, purposed for, destined for in this glorious plan of God is still available to you once again every single time. So you can bear his image, you can rule on earth, you can be fruitful, and you can know the blessing of God, relationship with him, relationship with other people. Everything that was lost, that was broken, that was distorted when sin entered the world, everything has been restored by Jesus and his work on the cross. You don't have to pay for it, you don't have to work for it, you don't have to earn it, it has been brought for you and is offered to you as a free gift. But we need to take hold of that, and then how do we steward that? It really is good news. That's the good news that we've got to tell the world. Not just that you're a sinner who can be saved from your sin, although that's true. It's much bigger than that. Here's another amazing, I love the way Tom Wright says it. He says, we have a vocation, we the church, we have a vocation to pursue a calling that is far richer than simply telling other people to repent and believe in Jesus so that they can go to heaven and trying to behave ourselves while we do it. That's a great quote, right? I'm going to read it again. We have a vocation, all of us, every single one of you, we have a vocation to pursue a calling that is far richer than simply telling other people to repent and believe in Jesus so that they can go to heaven and trying to behave ourselves while we do it. But sometimes, isn't that where we kind of end up in the church? There's so much more for us to know, to experience, to walk in. There's so much more for us to demonstrate and tell a world out there. There's so much more. It's, like, it's a far richer gospel than I think we've ever realized. And that's why Paul and us, Jane, unashamedly says, I'm just going to preach the gospel. I'm going to preach over and over again. I'm going to preach Jesus crucified. But in the understanding of what that really means, we have got far more to say to this world if only we'd realize it. And I think one of the things the enemy is is persuaded us of is we don't have much to say and what we do have to say the world doesn't want to hear. I don't think that's true. I think the world desperately wants to know that they're made with purpose. I think the world desperately wants to know that they matter. I think the world desperately wants to know that where they get it wrong, that doesn't need to define or dictate the rest of their life. That actually there's a new chance. That actually there's grace and mercy. And I think the world desperately needs to know that. I think the world desperately needs to know that their artistic creativity is beautiful and God-given. That their genius in economics is actually part of how God made them to be and it values and it matters. I think our politicians need to know that we value them, we acknowledge them. Like, I think the world needs to know the good news. And it's far more than deal with your sin and don't get it wrong again. It's far more than that. It's so rich. It's so multifaceted. And I want for us as God's people to figure out what does that mean for me and how, how can I tell other people? That's the calling that's on your life. That is going to keep us busy for the next 70 years. I'm excited about it. So this is what this series is about. Like, how are we going to steward this amazing gospel? How am I going to steward this ridiculous inheritance that God, for some reason, has trusted me with? How am I, what am I going to do with that? What does that look like? 
How do, and that's going to, listen, that, it's a game changer. It's going to affect how I do marriage with Phil. It's going to affect how I raise my kids. It's going to change how I do my finances. It's going to change my response to our politicians. It's going to change what I do with my hobbies, with my free time, with my money. It's going to change my relationship with It's going to change everything when we really see what Jesus has done. And listen, this is where it ends up, is that actually, what are we going to do with this means I think there is an absolute charge for all of us to grab hold of, again, um, in a deeper way, and really take seriously this cultural mandate of who you are and what you create to do, and the Great Commission that is to preach the good news of Jesus and make disciples. We, and I mentioned it really briefly last week. Like, I want for us to hold on to both of those things. And for as I said, Colossians 1, 19 and 20 is going to be super important for us right now. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So listen, we need to understand that this process of God wanting to renew and reconcile all things, it's only through Jesus, right? Jesus is the one and the cross is the way, but all things reconciled is the purpose, right? And for us, being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, that's the goal, that's the journey, and extending his kingdom as we do. Like, that's the deal, right? All of it was made possible at the cross. So living in the fullness of Genesis 1, cultural mandate, whatever you want to call it, you're made to be significant because you're made in his image. Like, by the end of this series, you're going to be able to chant this with me. I am significant because I was made in his image. I am supposed to be influential because he's called me to rule and reign. I am supposed to be connected to him and to other people, right? That we need to grab hold of and take seriously. But also... The Great Commission, which was not the great suggestion, right? <laughs> Go make disciples of all nations. Those two things, cultural mandate, Great Commission, both of those, I feel this charge to we've got to take those things more seriously, both of them. It's not one or the other. Which do you fancy? Like, it's both of those things. Right? If we just go after the sort of cultural mandate, I, I really am I'm anxious that you don't hear that I'm saying, you know, we just need to have really good self-esteem and kind of have, you know, be good, healthy in all areas and really value excellence and creativity and kindness and social action. And, like, and then listen, yes, let's do all of those things. But let's just remember, if we're doing that devoid of the person and the work of Jesus that is to be preached and acknowledged, then, then we've missed it, right? But equally, we need to value the whole of culture and work and family and life and not just see people and situations as projects to be rescued from sin. Because it's, does that make sense? Right? So it's cultural mandate and it's great commission. It's having a kingdom mindset and acknowledging that and, and wanting to live with kingdom principles, those things to be valued and, and applauded and even in, wherever we're seeing those show up, but it's knowing that Jesus is the only king. Yeah? And the gospel announcement, if it's anything, is the king has come. And that's what we get to do. We have these two beautiful callings to create, to engage, to love, to serve, to steward culture and to make disciples, right? And I, I feel like, personally, and I, like I want to encourage us, I feel like we need to recommit at a deeper level to both those things. Actually, but making disciples is making disciples who know that they're made in the image of God, that they're significant, that they're influential, that they know they have purpose on their life. And to commit to this process of actually filling the earth, subduing it, ruling and reigning, and seeing every part of life and society as a place that Jesus is king and he is reconciling all things to himself and his kingdom is extending all the time and he gets to invite us into that journey. That's the good news. Right? That's why the middle really matters. 
There is, there's so much purpose on our lives. And I, I, like I, genuinely, I feel this kind of charge for us to, just to go again in terms of that, do you know what, Jesus, I'm in. I am all in. Cultural mandate, great commission, I'm in. Whatever that looks like for me, however big or small, however many years I've got left, I'm in. I'm all in. So I want to say, if, listen, if that's where you find yourself this morning, to sort of seeing again this stunning work on the cross to reconnect us to purpose, I want to ask if that's you and you're, you're in there like, do you know what, I'm in. I want to ask you to stand and I want us to pray for one another. And listen, I never, I, never want to, I never want to talk about Jesus and what Jesus has done and not give the opportunity to say, listen, if you are here this morning um, and, and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, you, know, you wouldn't necessarily say, actually, that kind of letting Jesus forgive you of your sins and, and turning away from that way of life to a life of following him, if you've never done that and you want to do that this morning, it would be our greatest joy and privilege to do that with you. If that's you, if you've come with someone, maybe talk to them or, or come find myself or Phil or one of the team, we would love to do that. Or maybe you've done that before, but you're, you're aware that, that you've kind of, things have slid, that you've been distracted, that maybe, and you want to actually come back again to say, no, Jesus, do you know what? It's you and I'm following you. We would love to do that. And we're going to, there'll be people give it with a, down at the front, we'd love to do that with you. But for those who stood, maybe just place your hand on your heart and whatever it looks like to you, I just want you to respond to, to the Lord. Thank him for what he's done and just recommit again. So Jesus, I pray that you would just, um, God, we want to look to you again. Jesus, we want to look to the cross again. And I pray just for each one of us, God, that we would see in greater measure, in more fullness, just what a profound work it is. And Jesus, we say that we're so thankful. And God, would you forgive us where we've boiled this Christian life down to trying to do the right things and, and, and avoid doing the wrong things? Jesus, would you just, I pray that you would, Holy Spirit, just come and plant that seed in each one of us is that there is a calling that is far richer on our lives and God we want to walk in the fullness of that so Jesus for yeah God for me for us for, for me and my house this house in Vine Life God we say we're going to serve you we're all in Jesus our lives are yours we recognize that our lives have been brought with the highest price through the work of Jesus and so God all we can give you back is our whole lives and I pray God that you'd come God, we really want to experience the, the how much more that you've paid for us to walk in, the how much more that you've paid for us to give away to people around us. God, we want that. So we're here. And Jesus, we ask for more. So God, Jesus, we just thank you for the complete and perfect and final work of the cross. We thank you for the absolute authority and power in the name of Jesus. And we thank you above anything else, Jesus, that we're yours that we belong to you. Jesus, we want to be with you and we want to be more like you and we want to see your kingdom come and extend in us and through us and around us and we give you everything we have to that end. So walk with us, we pray. In your beautiful name.